grateful you're here today, and I'm grateful you're logged in online as we continue to move through our vision. Today, I'm going to do something just a little different than my typical sermon. I, I don't know if you'll experience the difference, but I know it's, it's coming from a different place in me. Part of the reason is that something happens today that hasn't happened since I was back in college. You can decide if that was a long time ago or not. Cowboys versus 49ers in a playoff game. How about that? That is a mixed reaction right there. COVID has changed us or we've just given up, one of the two. <clears throat> well, in honor of throwback things, I'm going to do a little, some of a throwback sermon because I want to tackle this idea of what it means when we talk about baptism. And I'm just going to do some straight-up teaching today, and I hope you brought a Bible, and I hope you're, you're going to take some notes, because we're talking about, in this vision, we're talking about where we're going as a church, where we feel God is leading us. And last week, we talked about everyone lead one, that your role as a follower of Christ is that you are a witness. Now, that is not something that you do on occasion. That is who you are. And so it's the idea of being a witness means that as we go through life, as you move through not just your Sunday life, but your Monday through Saturday life, your school life, your work life, your I'm taking a walk around the block life, whatever it is in the normal pattern of the day, you are witnesses. It is not something that as followers of Jesus, we get to turn it off or turn it on uh, when we feel like it. I had a great comic that I saw years ago, tried to find it, but it was simply was a guy that showed up in the pastor's office and said, Pastor, I am ready to lay my life down to serve a broken world with the conviction that Jesus is Lord. I have Tuesdays available 1 to 3. Don't we approach it that way so often? As we lead others to Christ... As we share, as we witness, remember the power comes from God. It's not, let me tell you about why I'm so great. But it's, let me tell you why God is so good. And let me tell you how God has been so good to me. That message, that testimony has an impact on others and it leads to a decision. It leads to a changed life and that life is wrapped up, begins in, initiated in this thing called baptism. So I just want to do some teaching today. I'm going to do some teaching on baptism. I'm going to tackle two important questions as we move through this, and hopefully by the end, if I've done my job right, you're, we've answered baptism, what is it? And two, why is it important and what's it matter? So the first one, I just want to baptism, and if you're not familiar with it, and you may be new to this, and if you are, I'm so grateful that you're here. I'm so grateful that you're logged onto our live stream, because one thing we've discovered is that as we've gone through all the craziness that COVID is, is that there's a lot of new folks that are circling around, checking out, attending our worships, being a part of Western Hills, and they come from a wide variety of backgrounds. And I just celebrate that so much. It tells me that God's at work doing 
something. And so I want to address just some questions head on. Baptism is the practice that we believe, and we believe the New Testament teaches, and I'm going to get into that, about being immersed underwater in the name of Jesus. And I want to tell you that I believe baptism is the normative practice for all believers throughout the New Testament. And so I want to lay out a picture today of what baptism is, and as we go along, talk about why it's so important. The word itself means baptizo, or or as the Greek word is baptizo. And what we did is years and years ago, when they were translating the Bible, and the Bible was not written in English, but the New Testament was written predominantly in Greek. And as the translators were bringing it into English, every now and then they would come up on a word that they were trying to either find an a English equivalent of, or they would adapt the Greek word to become an English word. It's called transliteration. That's a fancy word you can impress your friends later if the cowboy game gets boring. But what transliteration is, it means that they took a Greek word, turned it into an English word. Well, as the translators came up on, the people that originally translated came up on baptism, they ran into a little bit of a snag because baptism, every time you encounter the word, both in Scripture and in extra documents where we've studied ancient Greek and we found different documents that uses this word, it always means immersion. It means to dunk underwater. Even when they talk about naval battles, ships that were sunk were baptized. Okay? We have a recipe. We have a recipe on on how to make pickles that comes from the ancient Greek. And you baptize the cucumbers in vinegar. Now there's a whole sermon illustration there I can't get into right now. But it always means the same thing. Well, the translators came up on it, and there was a little bit of a problem because by the time they were trying to bring some of this into English, other practices had come in place that involved sprinkling or involved um, some infant-type baptisms. And it's just simply not the word. It's not the word that was used. And so they translated it. Instead of saying immersion or submerge or dunk or something like that, they used baptizo became baptism, and they created an English word out of it. So that's what we're talking about when we come back. It's used over 70 times in your New Testament. And there's some powerful references to what is going on there. Now I want to talk about why it's important and what's it mean for us. And so one of the first places that I'm going to tell you that it's important And here's the reason why I think that baptism is so important to us. And it's simply because it was important to Jesus. Baptism, we believe, is important because it was important to the one that we claim to follow. And anything that's important to Jesus, I felt should be important to us. Anybody that Jesus values, we should value. Anything that Jesus says... That's extraneous. You don't need that. I think we should pay attention to that as well. And so when he calls for baptism, that should get our attention on what we're drawn to and what we're called to as followers of Jesus, followers of him. 
And so the first place I just want to show you in Matthew, this is a very familiar passage to many people. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. You'll often hear this referred to as the Great Commission. It's kind of the giving of the mission. Here's the church's marching orders at times. We believe in this, and here's what it says. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Okay, that's the go part. And then look at the instructions immediately afterwards. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now remember that in the name of. I'm going to come back to that in a second. But the command and the commission is to go, tell the story, be the witnesses. And when that story, when that message evokes change, has an impact in a life, the next response is to baptize them. He finishes out this way. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Teaching them to obey everything. So, so you can ask, is baptism essential? Is it important? Is, is, it, is it critical? Here's what I'm going to tell you. Baptism is the first act of obedience when we believe and commit and confess that Jesus is Lord. It was important to Jesus. I, there's, there's several reasons that I've come across in my ministry on why people push against baptism at times. One is they just don't know. They haven't been introduced to it. They haven't had a chance to study the scriptures or it wasn't a part of their growing up. I, I talked to some people and in their in their frame of reference of church and their experience, you know, I talked to them about it and I'll say, say in baptism, and I'll say, you know, that's interesting. In my experience, nobody's ever made a big deal about it. Well, I'm going to make a big deal about it today. Because if you've ever seen us celebrate one of our baptisms, we make a big deal about it. And this is because it is an act of obedience. It's an act of, of coming into contact. And we're going to unpack all that. Second reason a lot of people I've heard is pride. Now, this comes from a, a misunderstanding of what it is. I've encountered some folks that because lots of our students will experience baptism at an age between, you know, in the teen ages, that some adults have come to believe that, oh, baptism, that's a student thing. That's an adolescent thing. That's a teenager thing. And then when they're beyond that, that's not for them for some reason. Baptism is anybody willing to submit that Jesus is Lord. And so their pride gets in the way a little bit because they think, well, I'm past that window. That's not for me. Or some see it maybe perhaps as a sign of, of a weakness or even an admission that I need um, something in my life that I don't yet have. I've encountered a few, not many, but a few. There's like, I don't want anybody to see me wet. Okay, Here's a clue. Nobody looks good wet, and nobody's worried about what you look like wet. Okay, But pride starts getting in the way, and all of these barriers. You know, can I just talk to the men for a second? Fathers, I've seen some guys, and I've had conversations with guys that have held back from baptism because they feel like it would make them look weak in front of their families. If you don't hear me say anything else today, if that describes you, you just need to know, I would suggest there is nothing more powerful you could do than model for your kids what it looks like for a man of God to kneel his, to bend his knee to Jesus Christ in obedience. 
And the last reason is people just wonder if it's important or not. Is it critical? Again, I'm going to say again, it was important to Jesus. The New Testament does not know anything other than a baptized believer. It is the assumption of the New Testament. As we come into submission and active obedience for Jesus. Come on, parents. You're aware of this. We know our kids love us when they do what? When they obey us. We would rather have obedience than a card, wouldn't we? Right? I mean, if, if, if you could trade in every card that your child had ever given you for the simple fact that they were in relationship with you, in obedience with you, that's a value. Because now they're trusting you. And they're listening, they're paying attention. This is what Jesus is calling us to. So what is it? What's it do? And I'm going to lay out three things for us. The first thing, I'm going to go to the first five passages of what uh, Bradley just read for us. So in your Bibles in Romans chapter 6, it says this. Now Paul, if, if if you need a a Baptism-heavy scripture, this is your scripture right here. It, it, it is woven all through 6, 7, and 8. It's all through the New Testament, but there's a real concentration about baptism right here. And what Paul is doing is he's talking about the grace of God, the grace that comes to us through Jesus. And he's done such a good job of preaching this and proclaiming this, that, and he knows that every time he proclaims this, there's always a question. It's like if somebody had gone around and given the same talk or the same presentation at place after place after place, and then there was a Q&A. He knows he's gone around and he's preached this message in enough places where he knows there's always the same question that comes up. And he preaches grace so strongly that the question always comes back, well, if grace is so awesome, why don't we just keep going on sinning? Because more sin equals more grace, right, Paul? And so he's addressing that one. He really knows, he goes... He goes, let me get ahead of you, because I know that every time I preach grace, this is the response. What that tells me is also one that tries to preach grace, is that the best preaching of grace, the proper preaching of grace, means it will elicit this question. That there's something that when this we preach grace so strong that some people come back and says, wow, it sounds like you're saying we should just keep on sinning, because it's so incredible, or if it's that incredible, we should. And here's what Paul says. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? You see, he's ahead of their question. Next slide. By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Watch and pay attention to the language as he goes through this. Let's keep reading. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And then look at how it goes. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. That is a 
multivitamin dense nutrient talk about baptism. So I'm going to reach into that, and I'm going to tell you what baptism is. I'm going to talk about three specific things that baptism is, and we're going to walk our way right back through that. I'm going to share some other scriptures, and as I go through those scriptures, you may want to write them down. You may want to grab a hold of them. The first thing that that says is, baptism is a declaration. Baptism is a declaration. Here's what I mean by that. Back to Romans, Romans 6, verse 3. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized were baptized into his death? We're baptized into Christ Jesus. We're baptized into his death. Okay, do you see the into Christ part? That's a declaration. That's business language. That means that I'm coming under the authority of, I'm coming under the 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 court of the king into his name and so when you do business in somebody's name you're trading on their name earlier this week i received the text message that we all hate to receive i received it from uh hannah ketterman that said i think your facebook's been hacked i just got a creepy friend request from you i don't think i send out creepy friend requests so what had happened is somebody else, somewhere, who knows how they do it, I don't understand it, was using my name to send out inappropriate requests. They were trading in my name. Do you think that bothers me? Yes, bothers me. So the declaration is that when we are baptized, we're baptized not just into our own name by our own um, uh, power by our own substantiation, we are baptized into Christ, calling on His name. This is w- what's proclaimed in in a verse that's very important to lots of folks that grew up in church. Acts two thirty eight, Acts two thirty eight. Look what Acts two thirty eight says. It's and Peter has preached the message. He's witnessed and testified about Jesus. They are cut to the heart. They ask, "What should we do?" And so he says, "Repent and be baptized, every one of you." Here it is again. In the name of Jesus Christ. What's he meaning by that? Baptism in and of itself was not a unique new practice. It's not like he preached the sermon on that very first um, Sunday morning where he's proclaiming the gospel, that very first Pentecost. And he gets to this point, and everybody says, what should we do? And he says, you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And nobody looked around and says, well, what's baptism? Help explain it to us. I've had the privilege and the ability to go into Jerusalem and tour the city. And all over the city, archaeology has discovered these things called mikvahs. And these are Jewish ceremonial baths. They are everywhere in Jerusalem. Because as people made a pilgrimage to come to the temple, before they could go up and approach the temple and get on the temple mat, they would have to go through a mikvah or a ceremonial ceremonial bath to be clean and so there are facilities that they've discovered all over jerusalem for this it was common and so when you read about three thousand people in one day coming to jesus they had the facilities already there the difference is nobody else had been baptized into the name of jesus 
And so he's saying you need to go through a ceremonial washing now and you make a declaration of who's Lord. Now, this is the reason that anytime I baptize somebody, I ask them, are you ready to make Jesus both Savior of your life and Lord of your life? Where he gets to decide all that I decide from here on out. He gets to control my choices of entertainment, how I spend my money, how I go about my dating life, how I go about following my career, how I interact with my marriage, how I interact and parent my kids. He gets to make all those choices now because I'm doing it in His name. Baptism is a declaration. The second thing that I would tell you is this. Baptism is a participation and an illustration. It is our participation in the gospel message. And it illustrates it for everybody else. Go back into our Romans passage. Uh, Romans 6.4 We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. You see the whole story there? Jesus came to earth and he lived his life as one of us and then he experiences his mission was to go to the cross and experiences an execution, a difficult, traumatic execution, buried in the tomb for three days. But the grave could not hold him. And three days later, he walks out of the tomb and he's the Lord of Lords and King's the King of Kings because of it. There, there's the gospel message. That's what we bear witness to. And so, what do we do in our baptism? We participate in that saving event. I know, I know it's an interesting discussion to get into what's the moment of salvation. Can I make a recommendation? The moment of salvation, for your salvation, my salvation, occurred on a hillside outside of Jerusalem around A.D. 33. That was the event that solidified your salvation. What I do in my baptism is I participate in that. I claim that event for me. I'm saying I need that in my life. And it's an illustration for each of us. Every baptism is an illustration. I, I am blessed to do weddings. I've done several of your weddings. And every time there's something about me that I start thinking, you know, some of these start to feel and sound the same. As I repeat, lots of times the same words, the same charge, as the same vows are, are exchanged. But then I'm just reminded, every time in the middle of it, here's vows that I made. Here, here's vows that I'm being reminded of. So every time we see a baptism together and somebody gives their life into Jesus Christ, they're buried with Him and under the water is the, the, the death part. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. And then there's this resurrection that comes. It's the gospel message all over again. And it reaffirms my faith. Every time we share a baptism, the gospel is preached again. This is why Satan does not want baptisms to happen. In Muslim world... 
I've read accounts, if you've read David Platt's book, Radical. In Muslim worlds, when somebody comes to, to baptism and there's a, a definite break with the religion of their tradition, religion of their upbringing, they're asked to provide a list of ten people. Make a list of ten people and identify the three on there that's least likely to kill them if they share Jesus with them. Because once again, the baptism is an illustration of I'm willing to lay my life down just like Jesus did. And I'm submitting to all that he's called us to. And you're raised anew. Every time we see a baptism, this is the reason that we make such a big deal about it here. This is the reason why even when the baptism may not occur right here through the blessing of technology that we have now, we'll show a video of it. Why? Because it's gospel preaching. It's good news all over again. Third thing's this. It's not just participation illustration, but baptism is a new creation. It's a new creation. Romans 6, 4. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Now this is the one where most of us stall out because we've got an idea that baptism is some kind of work that I know I need it, so once I check a box, I kind of move on to other things. That is not baptism. That's called getting wet. Okay? You might as well just go swimming. Because what baptism is at its very core is it's the gospel message being played out all over again. And every time the gospel shows up, new things come into existence. And so baptism is nothing short of a death. Baptism is not simply a way to improve your life. It's not a way to simply make your life nicer, to make yourself better, to make yourself look better. Baptism is a death to your old self, and you now have a new life. Here it is again. This theme is all through your New Testament. I'll show you one more place today. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. For most of us, that should be incredibly good news. You are not defined by your past. There is a lot of discussion going on in our world today that says, i got to figure out which way, how I was born. And there's an identity seeking that identifies with I was born this way. And that covers lots of different issues, sexuality being one of them. What the gospel message says is that you are not constrained or held captive by your past because you're a new creation. And in this new creation is when and how you find your identity. Because 
if my identity is up to me, I, I got a lot of junk in my past. I, I got a lot of stuff that I've never shared with you. But I can either say I'm going to be defined by all of that, or I can testify that there's a new creation. It's not by my power, not because I got myself so fixed up and looking nice, but because Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is doing a work in my life and took care of the old self, and now there is a new self. Every time we have a baptism, we should be excited to meet the new person. Almost introducing ourselves all over again. So whatever you have in your past that you may be ashamed of, embarrassed by, feel guilt over, the message of baptism all through Scripture is that there's a new creation. God is doing a new work in you, and the old self is not simply improved. It's not tweaked. It's dead. Years ago, when I was growing up, Raid, the bug spray, had a motto that said, We kill roaches dead. Like there's any other way to kill roaches. There's no other way to have baptisms. We baptize the old self dead. And there's a new life with all the excitement that comes from it. And a new creation is in this place. Baptism is a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. I want to end this way. It says it's important to Jesus. We have an account of Jesus being baptized. In fact, it shows up in the Gospels. Multiple. And at the moment where Jesus goes to John the Baptist, or John the Dunker, if you would, Jesus goes and says, this is right that I should do this, so that all righteousness can be fulfilled. And then immediately following his baptism, you can find this in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but I'm going to pull it out of Mark. Mark chapter 1, verse 10 and 11. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. This very moment, God is affirming His Son. And Scripture teaches us this, that what Jesus did for us on the cross, that we participate with in our baptism, we are then clothed with His righteousness. So that when God looks at me, He doesn't see me, but He sees the image of His Son. Not because I've earned it, but because of what Jesus did for me. And so when God looks at you, and you come up out of the waters of baptism, there is a smile on his face, and he says, You who I love, with you I am well pleased. It is the pleasure of God. So as we think about this, if you have yet to experience baptism, for whatever reason, I want you to know that the New Testament, the message of Jesus is calling you and inviting you to it 
Not so you can check a box, but because as you submit to who God is and who Jesus is, He honors that, and He's well pleased, and there's a blessing in obedience to that. There's a grace that's imparted, and there's a Holy Spirit that comes into your life to give you the power to live this life supernaturally as a new creation. So if that's not part of your experience yet, for whatever reason, I'm challenging you, talk to us, because we want to talk to you about baptism. We'd love to be a part of that. Witness that and let you preach a gospel message. And as we think about people that you know, for those of us that have already committed our lives into Christ, this past week I challenged you, if you would, to be praying. I challenged you to do it 10 and 2, and as I did that, I thought it was so so powerful to think that others were doing that. You may have done it another time, but I think the power of us while praying together. And we're praying that God would lay somebody on your heart, put somebody on your mind, give you a burden for somebody that needs to come into relationship with Him. So what I want to do is I'm going to challenge you now or invite you now. At the end of each row, we've got a stack of cards. If you're sitting on the end of the row, next stack of cards, if you would, see if they get passed back, passed around. I'm going to ask you to get a pen out. And Jake Herndon, one of our shepherds, is going to come up and he's going to lead a prayer. And he's going to be praying over us. But what I, what I want to invite you to do is this is a promise that I'm going to make to you. If you would, on this card, if you would give me the first name and the initial of the person that's on your heart, that's on your mind, that's before you, that, that you feel like God is nudging you towards, I'm going to invite you to write that down. And we've got baskets right here in the center. And before you leave, if you would, just drop this card in this basket. And I'm going to commit to pray for every card that's turned in. Pray for every name that's turned in. I, and I don't mean just pray over the basket in general. Go through them. If you want to share your name, that's fine. I, I, I would love to be praying for you specifically. But I invite you to do that. And so what I want to do is maybe that person, you, have, you didn't know about the challenge I gave last time or the prayer last time. So when... Jake prays. I'm going to give about 25 seconds of silence at the beginning. And I want you to be praying. And then Jake will conclude the prayer for us. And then if you would, put that name, name down and we'll share it. And this is the way we're going to invite everybody into this unbelievable life as a new creation. To experience the gospel message once again. And the favor of God. Why would we want to keep that to ourselves? If you would, bow your head, please. Father, in the quiet, as hearts and names are lifted up to you, would you place on anyone that has yet to experience the blessing of baptism, would you break through whatever pride, whatever ignorance there is, or to those of us that have, would you place a name 
Maybe it's the same name we've been praying about all week long. But however it is, would you pray some names on our hearts right now as we talk to you about that person?